It is my distinct pleasure to welcome special guest Pam Rose to Applaudable Perspectives live and in person on beautiful historic Music Row. Welcome. <laughs> Hi, Pam. Such a pleasure to have you here. Let's just kick it off. So uh, you and I have known each other off and on for many, many years. You, mm-hmm. you moved here a few years before I did. But uh, just give a little bit of background about how you ended up here and uh, your, your first... I mean, I know a lot of it, but I want you to say it. So, <laughs> Sure, yeah. Um, I was living in Atlanta. I came to Atlanta from Tallahassee, Florida, where I went to school. And Atlanta was the next big city, uh, the, near, the nearest big city. So I went to Atlanta, stayed there for about three years, and then realized that you had to be in either Nashville L.A. or New York for the music business. So you were trying to do music in mm-hmm. Atlanta, and it was more of kind of hip-hop probably by then? Or? Well, no, it was, you know, I did, I, I learned so much in Atlanta, and, and I was mentored by uh, an African-American jazz musician uh-huh. who grew up with Ramsey Lewis. Oh, wow. So I, I had such a rich background in Atlanta, but then, you know, for my, <clears throat> for my future, I... I was told that I had to be in Nashville, New York, or L.A., Mm -hmm. and I'm a huge bird fan and nature fan, so I knew New York would not do it for me, and my car wouldn't make it to L.A., (laughs) so Nashville it was. Mm -hmm. Which is close, you know. Which is close, but I did not know anything about country music, nothing, Mm -hmm. Uh, except for I did know Tammy Wynette, I knew Johnny Cash, and... A couple of other, you know, I heard a couple of other songs, but I came here anyway and knocked on a bunch of doors and got a nice collection of rejection letters or rejection phone calls and then finally right. found somebody to listen to my music, a man named Pete Drake. Pete Drake? The and legendary Pete Drake. The legendary Pete Drake, who I knew from reading credits on albums. He was the steel guitar player on Lay, Lady, Lay. And... Probably five Dylan records. There you go. And Nashville Skyline, probably. Nashville Skyline. Yeah. And he also played with George on All Things Must Pass and did a beautiful job on that. So I knew him from the pop world. From the pop world. And so he listened to my songs and he gave me an ear. Wow. And and uh, uh, gave me a publishing deal. I did want to be a, a an artist. And that didn't come right away. So I started... I did start writing some, but I was really unhappy here, and I missed Atlanta terribly because mm-hmm. Atlanta's so diverse, mm-hmm. and um, Atlanta's so diverse, mm-hmm. and more I, cosmopolitan at the time. Much more cosmopolitan, mm-hmm. and I worked at a club in underground Atlanta where Jimmy Carter would come in, and Julian Bond, and Andrew Young, and wow. Maynard Jackson, and all these civil rights folks to see sure. Paul Mitchell, who I was, who was my mentor. Sure, sure. And uh-huh. so I really, really missed that. And I told Pete, after a year, I'm going to move. I'm going to move back to Atlanta. Mm. And so he he didn't want that. So he got me a deal, and and it turned out to be a pop deal out of L.A. with Capitol Records. Mm-hmm. Who, who signed you? Do you remember the executive back then? Frank. Oh. Frank. Okay, we can look more. Doesn't matter. Okay, and and Frank was just uh, he was a big big fan of my music, uh-huh. and so he. And were you co-writing at the time, or were you were writing lyrics and music both? 
I was co-writing. Okay. And uh, and that was that was just you know as a sidebar, I had not written with anyone before I came to Nashville. Right. That's very much the thing to do when you come to Nashville. You have co-writing. Yeah. And then I I really fell in love with that mm -hmm. because I love collaboration and and I love uh, synergy and mm -hmm. and so that was the beginning of my of of my education in songwriting and and I learned that when you sit in a room and write a song with someone it's not about compromising it for me it it was that you don't leave the room unless both or all people think that it's the very very best that it can be mm -hmm. and there's something really special about that mm -hmm. well you're sort of bearing your souls really yeah and you're not it's you're not settling. No, right, right. You're not settling. So that was that was a huge, huge learning experience for me. So, w you're during your formative years, mm -hmm. listening to music. Who who did you listen to? Who were your influences? Well, growing up, I was raised fundamental Southern Baptist, so it was church music. We were forbidden. No to, kidding. To listen to. Um, Secular music is what they called it. Yeah. Okay. And so I remember, I remember when we'd go, stop at a Seven Eleven. My mom would go in, and I'd turn on the radio and <laughs> listen to the Beach Boys, or you know, just hear what what was out there in the world. And then when I was when I was twelve, my cousin came to visit, and he had a guitar, mm. and he put the guitar in my hand, and and said, here, put your fingers like this and sing. And he played me a Peter, Paul, and Mary song. Uh, and that, that was it. I mean... Did you take to it easily? I, easily. Mm -hmm. Easily. And I was, I was just, I won't say obsessed because, I, but I will say I was just compelled. Mm -hmm. I was compelled to do it. And that's, that's, that's all she wrote. I, I well, you have stop. a very analytical mind, uh, as well as being creative, and your dad was, he was very mechanical, yes. obviously. Tell, tell about your dad and his pedigree. My dad was an engineer, and, and, when we, and we moved to Florida um, because he got a job with the space program. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, he had some little dinky desk job at the beginning, and then at the, toward the end, he was working with the communications department for the Apollo project. Wow. So, you know. A little bit of pressure. Okay. A little bit of pressure. And and my grandfather on the other side, he was a Baptist minister, and he, they lived on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and he made all his boats. So, you know, I come, it, I get the, I get the mechanical engineering mm -hmm. thing from both sides, and and so I'm, I'm lucky for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you've got a pop deal. Pete Drake has opened doors for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did you go out as Pam Rose, or did you have a different stage uh, name? No, Pam Rose is my real name, so okay. I kept that. Okay. And and, uh, and I made a couple of records for for Capitol, and then you know, <clears throat> as as fate would have it, as fate has it for many artists. The label changes and the people go away sure. and people that sign you leave. <clears throat> and the all people that. sign you leave. So, so I I lost my deal at Capital. I left Capital, and then um, and then Pete uh, had the idea that I should learn a Billy Sherrill song, uh -huh. and go 
play for Billy Sherrill. And so I learned Till I Can Make It On My Own mm. on the piano and went into Billy's office. And uh, that was my first experience meeting Billy Sherrill, the iconic producer and record guy. And I sang, I sang his song that he co-wrote with Tammy. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he signed me right there. To a publishing deal or to, to a record, record deal. deal? Yeah, on Columbia. Wow. In Columbia, wow. Yeah, so, so that's pretty heady. Yeah, yeah. And so I made a I made a record for for uh, Epic Records, mm -hmm. and and then all that changed. And meanwhile, I had met Marianne Kennedy mm -hmm. because she was writing for Pete Drake. She had come down from Wisconsin. I was walking up the stairs and heard somebody singing in his office and I went, damn, she's good. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> at that time, Pete was producing custom sessions and he'd hired the Jordanaires to sing on a live recording session and somebody canceled and he asked Marianne and I to, to, to fill that spot. Because <laughs> you sound so much like the Jordanaires. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was tough. That was that was really tough. <laughs> Big shoes to fill, and so uh, I hadn't really ever sung with Marianne before. Mm -hmm. But we just got behind the microphone, and turned out that we read each other's minds. And we, when she went one way, I went the other way, and we ended up back. We crossed. We crossed parts, and mm -hmm. and then you know on the on the playback, you had to overdub, and you had to remember exactly what you did. And we were able to do that because we both had choral backgrounds and mm -hmm. theory and all that. And so it was just magical. It was absolutely magical. And from that very moment, we knew that we were destined to sing together. And we started writing together mm -hmm. for our voices. And you and were just a pop. You were in your 20s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, we, you know, we took that co-writing um, mentality of you, you're not the song's not finished until everybody's just as happy as they can possibly be. Mm -hmm. And we, the two of us would write, I mean, for 13 years, I never wrote a song without Marianne. And then you brought Pat Bunch. Yes, we did. The lyricist yes. extraordinaire. Yes, we did. And before that, um, we wrote a bunch of songs with Don Goodman. That's right. Okay. And Don, Don... Also not a slacker. <laughs> also not a slacker. And he, and he was always so excited because he comes in and goes, Girls, I got this title. Ring on her finger, time on her hands. And so we wrote that. Mm -hmm. And that was our first, first big major cut and first number one record and our first Grammy nomination when we were in our twenties. So so that was really that was really uh, something that got us some attention and uh, Margie Hunt at BMI yeah. mm -hmm. uh, suggested that we sit down with Pat Bunch and see if there was any chemistry for writing. Was and Margie at <clears throat> was she at Sony Columbia Sony or she was at you said she was at BMI wasn't Margie at Sony? She was. But she, she was, was at BMI and then before. I think she I you know I can't remember uh -huh. which place she was but we were we were because I knew her she was she was at CBS <clears throat> or which yeah. became yeah okay yeah and and so. 
that was just a magical combination. And well, that was so smart. I mean, she had great ears to put you with her. She had great ears, and 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 uh, and she just knew because Pat was a lyricist. Mm-hmm. Pat was just in, you know, she's an appreciator of music, but she doesn't play. She doesn't sing, but she had so many lyrics, just so many lyrics, and and there were many one, but one was these was this she would just write she gave us a folder of of lyrics and there was just pages and pages of this song called safe in the arms of love and so we would go through them and and just go okay how can this how can how can we use this what form could we put all of these pages of ideas on safe in the arms of love how could we do that mm-hmm. and um, and and I, I was mowing my lawn myself at that time <laughs> on a riding on my neighbor's riding mower, mm-hmm. and I would just put my headphones on and get out there. And I wrote a lot of songs uh, on the lawnmower, <laughs> musically. And so, "Safe in the Arms" was a lawnmower song. Uh, "Love Like This" was a lawnmower song, and uh, and so we just had a a, a magical collaboration, mm-hmm. and it lasted for. A really, really long time. And she's funny. She's, and she's, she's funny. very funny. She does not know how funny she is. <laughs> she has no <clears throat> no idea how funny she is. But you know, she she I have so many Pat Bunch stories. Mm-hmm. But she she uh, one of them, you know, she's married to a guy named Jimmy, and Pat's a Pat's like a beatnik mm-hmm. almost. I mean, she was <laughs> you know, and she she would say, well, I went down to the laundromat because Jimmy and I needed our clothes done she says I was like 30 and I'd never had anything to drink (laughs) and I went next door to the 7-eleven while my clothes were in the dryer and I got a wine cooler (laughs) it was seven o'clock in the morning (laughs) and she said I just drank the wine cooler and I went whoa so this is what all the fuss is about That's classic Pat, and and I just I just love her dearly, and she kept us entertained. Didn't you all go to the? I think she, I remember a story where you all were going to the Grammy Awards, and she was afraid she was going to get robbed, and so she had like a fanny pack on at the Grammy Awards. Yeah, she did, and 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 she, and I think Jimmy was really protective of her, mm-hmm. and she didn't travel much. She had to go. She's I had to go to Goodwill to buy a suitcase. <laughs> this is when we had not had any any success at all. I mean, we actually had to borrow money to go to the Grammys. There you go. Because the it takes time. a while to come it in. It takes a while to come in. Uh, that's a whole other story. But um, but so we went to California. The Grammys <laughs> were in L.A. Had that she year. ever even been on a plane? Um, maybe, but not to not to L.A. Mm. And so Jimmy entrusted us. Uh, oh Pat god. was in our care. Oh my god! And so we, the first time we got up on the, we, we went up to our rooms, and then it was time to come down, and I pushed the lobby button, and 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 we we ended up downstairs, and she goes, hmm, I always wondered what L meant. <laughs> I mean, she was. Just, she just kept us entertained all the time. She's just such a dear, sweet, remarkable human being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. 
oh, uh, I think was it Dixie said, oh, this is magical, and you just channeled the song, and and her response, <laughs> her response was channeling, schmaneling. It's hard effing work, except she said the f word. <laughs> like oh my god i remember you guys telling me that story too too oh, funny yeah. oh yeah that's amazing so you have success mm-hmm. you you're, you're signed to a solo deal then you and marianne decide to be a duo you start then you become kennedy rose mm-hmm. and you get some offers of deals which you turn down if i'm correct yeah i mean we we had always had trouble with the categories and the the pigeonholes and the mm-hmm. boxes and and all of that and and you wanted to produce yourselves yeah you had and an we idea. didn't really fit in with the with the um, you know eight songs in a session sort of band right. thing sure, and, sure. and we found that uh, some men not all but some men were reluctant to take instruction from from two women and and once we were really frustrated by that and and. Uh, Marianne and I just said, well, I don't know, what all do you play? And yeah, I play guitar. Can you play bass? Marianne plays drums. She's mm-hmm. still, to this day, one of my favorite drummers. Incredible percussionist. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Her sense of rhythm is, is just impeccable. And so we started making our own demos, playing everything on our own demos. And it was a different sound. Right. And producers loved it. And well, so, talk about Paul. Yeah. Great well, example. Paul. Paul loved our, our Paul demos. Paul Worley, we're Paul talking Worley. about. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we made a demo, Safe in the Arms, and he really loved it. And he recorded it on Martina McBride and called us and said, Look, I loved your demo. I just pretty much did that on Martina. Will you come play and sing on it? Wow, what an honor. I know. It's just... I, and I, that wasn't done him. back then, really. I mean, that was kind Not of like really. very broad-minded, and very, very broad-minded. And 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 you know, I have to say, um, there were several times where I was asked to play guitar. Like Jimmy Bowen asked me to play guitar on Reba's um, cuts of ours, a couple of Reba cuts, wow. and and so that 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 was really special. And Tony Bowen Brown, was really good about empowering women. Yeah, and he. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, he was like, I don't care. I want that part. Bob Montgomery, same way. I played, I, I, he asked me to play guitar. And, you know, and Pete let me play guitar on sessions. And, and that was, uh, that was not done. Mm-hmm. There were no women session musicians, period. You know, I'm not sure that there are... Not so many. Now. Mm-mm. I mean, I'm... I'm, I'm Wanda. Mm, yeah, I may be unaware, uh, but but that's been a hard, and there's not many women engineers. I or producers or producers, so uh, and not know. as and and starting to have more songwriters, but not that many female songwriters, really. Yeah, I mean there there um, there could always be more. Sure, and and bringing a different perspective, a female energy to things. Mm-hmm. So so let's segue. So you and Marianne, you end up not going th- to a label here, but instead you find the pop icon discovers you. Talk about that. Right, because you know, we had this we had developed this sound that I told you from playing everything. Mm-hmm. And we got offered a pop deal. Warner Brothers Publishing hooked us up uh, with someone who offered us a pop deal. It was a major label and 
they said we love we love you, but you have to get somebody to produce, and we didn't like that, so we turned that down. We got offered a country deal, and we turned that down because we didn't want to lie about being gay, mm-hmm. and we didn't want to compromise our our music. We just mm-hmm. wanted to be what we were, which so. which is really brave because deals are not easy to get. <laughs> so it was very brave of you to do that. Yeah. And, you know, and just both of our collective makeup is just, we can't be untrue to ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's not really possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were there would have been times where we would have probably benefited if we could have been. Yeah, I get it. But, but we couldn't. Mm-hmm. And so um, in that bleak time of refusing both of those deals, a friend of a friend, not in the music business, played our music for Sting who was starting a label for uncategorizable music. And so that that taught us a big lesson. If you stay in your truth... And that was Pangea. And that was Pangea Records. And you did two albums, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. And, and, and Sting asked us to tour with him uh, on the Soul Cages tour, mm-hmm. which is just... That's a, those are scrapbook moments well, right there. And not only did he ask you to tour with him, mm-hmm. what did he do? How did he inter- How did he bring well, you into the audience? Well, you know, when on our first tour date, we were in San Francisco, and and he came to our dressing room and he said, you know, ladies, I, I know people don't know you here, and they didn't, I know they didn't come to see you, so what I'd like to do is go out and introduce you to the audience. And he did that That's every that night until we were in Europe and the crowds were were so big that it was unsafe for him to go out mm-hmm. and disappear. Mm-hmm. That would have not been safe. How gracious of him. And and he asked us back every night to sing Every Breath You Take. Is, mm-hmm. And that, that, I mean, you know, it well, pinch- get you're, better than you're that. You're pinching yourself, right? You're pinching yeah. yourself. Now, somewhere in there you... Uh, I'm trying to think of the time period, but you you also work with Art Garfunkel on some things. Yeah, um, uh, Leah Kunkel was mm-hmm. a friend, and um, and she's her voice is just incredible, and she's her sister was Mama Cass, mm-hmm. so she has that richness in her voice, mm-hmm. and and if you've heard the James Taylor cut of uh, Handyman. Uh, that's Leah mm-hmm. singing uh, sing harmonies with James on that, and so she uh, she worked with a lot of people, and she she knew Artie, and she played some of our songs for him. Right. And I remember once when when we had answering machines, uh, I would I had just gotten up and and across the across the room was a voice that says, "Hi Pam, this is Art Garfunkel." <laughs> And and I was just like, okay, one of my friends is just joshing me, you know. It's like, I'm not even awake. I hadn't had coffee or anything. And come to find out, it was him. And I love it. And so he he wanted to uh, he wanted to fly us to New York because he liked the funky recordings that we did. And he was being produced by Jeff Emmerich, who was the engineer on the Beatles from beginning to end. Unbelievable. And so, and I spoke with Jeff, and I said, "But, but, 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 but these are, but these are just they're four track and eight track 
masters, they're just not very good. And he goes, I did the Beatles on four tracks. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, 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 shit. What was I thinking? <laughs> oh, yeah, duh. So we took the masters to New York and, and, uh, and they used our track. And then we sang uh, harmonies. Wow, and uh, and sang some uh, on some other songs on the record. So Love it. Love another it. An, another scrapbook moment. Another pinch, pinch yourself moment. I know, right? And then at some point you meet the wonderful, iconic Emmylou Harris, oh. who also falls in love with you guys. And wow, yeah, you know she um, she made a record called "The Ballad of Sally Rose," mm-hmm. which was not as commercially successful as some of her other records, but it's still one of my favorite records. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she wrote the whole thing with Paul Kennerly, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> and uh, Dolly and and uh, Linda sang all the harmonies. And so when she went out to tour that record, she needed she needed. Two more voices. Two she more needed that voices. configuration, a high voice and a, and a husky alto. And so we got the gig, and we've been fast friends ever since. This was in 85, I think. Wow. And, and you toured with her. And we toured with her on and off the since yeah. then. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just been great. And the latest configuration has been a, an acoustic trio. Mm. I mean, we really, really sound good together, mm-hmm. Emmy and Marianne and I. And sometimes we do a cappella things and uh, we goosebumps. Just, yeah, we just we just adore her. She's she's iconic, but she's an extraordinary human being. Yeah. Another like Forrest Gump moment moment for you uh-huh. uh, was being asked to perform in Norway. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was in Ireland when I got that call, and I, I they, you know, said, "Would you like to go? Would you like to go with Emmy and perform at the Nobel Peace Prize ceremony?" And I was like, oh, "Let me check my calendar," <laughs> you know. So that was that was just amazing, and mm-hmm. and um, of all the audiences I've ever played for, that one. Stood out in a different way mm-hmm. uh, because it was it was one representative from every country in the world, mm-hmm. and some had native dress and they all had their earphones on mm-hmm. with their translators and 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 the the hall where we played is just is just beautiful and uh, that was that was pretty special and and. Uh, we were backstage, and they said, "You know, um, when you go out, you need you need to acknowledge the king and queen." And we said, "Well, how how will we know that it's the king and queen? How will we know?" And so when we walked out on stage, there were these two thrones. <laughs> that's how you know. Oh, that's how we know. So we 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 did our acknowledgement. <laughs> John Lennon. They rattled their jewelry. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's see. Where do we go next? Do you want to lead me, or I I can sort of. I want to I want to touch on the film, and yes. then I want to I want to talk about because the film kind of came before this project that we're getting ready to talk about. So do you want to segue into the film, or are we are we leaving a big gap of history out that you want to fill in? Mm. 
Not no, I uh, no, I think which whichever way you want to which they, they both they'll both end up in the same place. Okay. So so why don't you why don't you talk about invisible? Okay. Okay. Um, four years ago, I met a gentleman named T.J. Parcell through a mutual friend, Bill Brown, and uh, Bill's husband Andrew and I were in the same class. We studied Kabbalistic healing for 20 years in the same class. So, mm. um, so I knew of Bill, and um, and their idea. Bill had the idea and gave it to TJ. It was at that time the working title was uh, "Gay Women in Southern Music," and. I think Mary Gaucher was the first person to sign on. Mm -hmm. I was one of the early adopters. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it took about four years, really, uh, to, to, get that, to get the film finished. Mm -hmm. But it's a beautifully done film. TJ did an amazing job. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and this was the first time that the majority of us had ever spoken publicly about being gay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's very powerful. I I found out about the film through a mutual friend, who was one of the producers, and he's not in the music business. He's an investment banker, and he calls me up one day and he says, "Remember that film I told you about gays and uh, lesbians in uh, country music?" And I'm like, "Ah, uh, no, Dana, I would remember that." <laughs> <laughs> So he said, well, you want to come see a screening? So Mark and I went and saw the screening, and we're sitting there, and we're crying, mm. and we're laughing. And I'm like, well, I know half of the people in the film. Yeah. And TJ said, well, well." Uh, afterwards it was a QA, and a and TJ said, well, we're looking for a presenting sponsor for the Belcourt. Mm. So I raised my hand and said, I'll do it. And so, you know, Mark and I did publicity, and we were there that night, and it was really special. And I didn't know who was going to be there. But you were there, and Marianne, and Virginia team, and Emmy Lou, and Jess Leary, mm -hmm. and I don't even know who all was there that night. It was just so amazing, and I think a lot of you had not seen it before. It was the first time you We'd had never seen, seen it. it before. You'd never seen it before. So I actually had seen it one other time before you did. Yeah. But it was just so powerful, and then COVID hit. <laughs> After that. Yeah, yeah, and I had uh, planned on releasing my latest project. Uh, in coordination, in conjunction with the release of Invisible, mm -hmm. the film, and and so that got put on hold as well. But now everything is starting to uh, ramp up, come, you know, come back to some sense of normalcy. But but um, uh, on Sacred Song, one of there's a, there's one song on Sacred Song that's that's in the film. Mm -hmm. And the way Sacred Song happened is, you know, if I may digress back Please. into history a little bit, um, about 10 or 15 years ago, I started a project, of, it's like audio memoirs, so story and song format, because I, I have a lot of stories, and, and they're good, they're entertaining, and um, I feel lucky to have these stories. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I thought that was the first new work that I was going to lead with after my solo debut, Morpheus. 
But then I, it, it occurred to me that what I really wanted to do is a four-project uh, collection mm -hmm. called Life's Work. Mm -hmm. And I thought that the story and song project would be the first one. And then I wrote a whole bunch of new original songs. And so I thought the original song project would be the next one. And then I was touring with Tommy Emanuel and I saw what an amazing uh, artful job that he did of other people's songs. And I've always done other people's songs here and there. And so then I thought, well, I'm gonna do a, a CD of classics, you know, as, an, as, a, as a, a shout out to my heroes songwriters and performers. Mm -hmm. Your version of their hits. <clears throat> My version of, of, of their songs, mm -hmm. just um, in honor of them. So I thought that one would be the first one to come out. But then in, in, uh, in 2014, um, my mom got really sick. Mm -hmm. And um, even though I had all four of these projects, 70 or 80 percent completed, I, I had to put my solo work on hold. I still continued touring with Tommy and Emmy, um, but it was pretty much all I could do to take care of my mom mm -hmm. and get her settled. I, we had to bring her here. My brother John and I had to bring her here from Florida, from a place that she had lived for 50 years. And she was really, really sick, and and so my solo pursuits sort of fell to the wayside, and and then um, <clears throat> and then shortly after that, my mom's brother and sister-in-law, my aunt and uncle, who are cherished pillars of our family, they died within six months of each other, mm. and and then uh, one of my dearest and closest friends is the artist, writer, actress, and producer Laurie White. Mm -hmm. And she was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer and was gone in four months. Chuck Cannon's wife. Uh -huh. She's incredible. And uh -huh. then... And too young, oh my word. I know. And then, you know, my two blessed roommates, my beloved felines, uh, Zora got sick and she's my soul cat and she passed away and then my mother right after that died she got really really sick and she passed and then my other cat miss bear she died and lots there were, of loss there were others mm -hmm. in there too but mm -hmm. it just it was a lot mm -hmm. so that's what led me to this collection of songs mm -hmm. is for my own healing so. And you were kind enough, after right after COVID hit, out of the blue, I get an email from you with an attachment, and it's this incredible video of Ave Maria and you oh. singing it in Latin. Mm. And it just came at exactly the right moment, and I'm like, what do you want to do with this? And she's like, you said, well, I just want people to hear it. So I started sending it to people. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because it was, we were all kind of locked up, and we were all kind of down and worried, and, and it, it just is very beautiful piece. It opens on the Vatican, and then it just, 
and it uh, morphs into other beautiful places, but also you've got um, essential workers and firefighters and nurses in there and doctors, and it just it's really beautiful. So Well, and thank you for your help with that because a lot of people heard it because of your... Because oh, of your really? help, yeah, oh. sure, sure. Oh, you had like eleven thousand views or something. It I was do, crazy. I, it was... I do, and and you know, so I've been collecting these songs that inspire me, and and as a writer, we're not really encouraged to write those, but 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 I ap actually happened to do that because I love that. I mm -hmm. love to write songs that are bigger than me, and that address these concepts. So I call the CD "Sacred Song," but it's it's not a religious CD, mm -hmm. um, and I'm I don't consider myself a religious person. Mm -hmm. I, I've been on a spiritual journey for a really long time. I'm a recovering Baptist, and <laughs> and uh, and you know, I, I, in in wicked response to to that upbringing, I was a devout atheist for a while. And were they trying to pray you straight? Well, they, you know, we didn't even talk, they didn't even talk about gay sex. I mean, heterosexual sex was so bad, they didn't even get to gay sex, so. <laughs> that stopped them right in their tracks. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they barely talked about that at all, but the implications were there. Sure. You know, so, so I went from fundamental Southern Baptist to atheist, and then, quite honestly, I took some LSD, and I went, oh, well guess I can't be an atheist anymore <laughs> you know actually it does look like we all are everything is the same made of the same thing we're all connected we're all the same thing and we're all connected so I've been on a spiritual journey for a really long time and, and sacred song is really a collection of archetypical commentary mm -hmm. I mean Ave Maria is the the mother the mother energy the great Mm -hmm. You know, what can be more sacred than that? Sure. And then between the worlds is the suggestion that that we may not be as far away from our departed loved ones as we think. Mm -hmm. um, Forevermore is based on the Pachelbel Canon in, in D major that I wrote with Kristen Wilkinson, and it's just this quintessential love song. Uh, you know, seeking infinite sacred love and connection. Um, so many angels is is not about heavenly angels. It's about it's about how people show up in our lives at the mm -hmm. right time. And mm -hmm. you know this. We've all had these moments where we really, really need somebody to be there, and they are. Mm -hmm. And that to me is sacred. Mm -hmm. um, there's just you know the offering is is about the archetype of sacrifice and compassion. And, and uh, Holy Child, I mean, I have, I have some, uh, like Holy Child is a Christmas song, but then I also have, uh, you know, I, I have a, a huge extended family that's Muslim, so I, I have one song on the CD that's written by the Persian poet Hafiz mm -hmm. about one flesh, that we're all one flesh, and then uh, Still Myself is, is how we can all get back up you know sometimes we all feel like strangers just trying to find our way our way home and so these are just songs that I needed for my healing and 
I'm just hoping that that uh, that somebody else can get the same uh, relief mm -hmm. and peace and peace and peace that 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 I've gotten from these songs, and with the exception of uh, the Shebert Ave Maria, I did write, I did co-write all of the songs. Now, did you speak about everything? I don't know if you mentioned Oh, everything. everything. Yeah. Oh, everything is, is sort of like, remember I said I took some LSD <laughs> and I could see that we were all connected and that we were all made of the same thing? Everything mm -hmm. is, is, is really, um, you know, it, it addresses that, that, that we, that God or this spirit of love is in everything. And <clears throat> speaking of that, sometimes I just, you have to look for it, but it's there. It's, Even in, with the people that we find the most difficult. We yeah, it's it's true. It's it's true. And you know, some people don't believe in God. Mm -hmm. And that's cool too. I I don't know sometimes I haven't known what God is, but when I when I wonder, I just go, okay, well, let me take the biggest feeling of love I've ever felt and multiply that by how many people there are on earth. That's pretty cool. I mean, mm -hmm. that's that gets me started mm -hmm. and points me in the right direction at mm -hmm. least. So, mm -hmm. so. It's really a captivating album. It, um, of course, I was raised Catholic, mm -hmm. and so Ave Maria is very, very near and dear to my heart and beautiful. And I just think that it's, I mean, I think we always need hope and love and healing. We always need it. But I think right now we're at a very pivotal time. Mm -hmm. Planetary, mm -hmm. we talked about that the other day. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, governmentally, everything. And it, it could, this album could not come at a better time, really. It's very, very timely. Well, and thank you. what do you hope for for the album? What do you what do you hope will happen? I mean, you obviously want it to get heard. You want it to be touched. If, if people want to order it, how do they order? Uh, they go to pamrosemusic.com. Okay. And um, and you can buy it there. And I'm going to be gearing things up. There'll be other ways that people can hear the music and and share the music. And um, you know, I I always want people to hear my music. Well, and you're always, able to do house concerts, too. I, yes, I, I love so, playing for people. I love intimate environments. You know, put me in front of five people or 50,000 people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter. I I just love that. I, I feel that is, a, that is a gift that I've been given, and I love giving that back. Pam, I, what is the best advice you've ever been given? As a musician? As a musician, as a person, however you want to answer it, and maybe there's two pieces of advice. One could be business related, one could be personal. However you want to answer. Well, I'll start with the with the musician part. Okay. Um, my mentor, Paul. Uh, he just said, you know, I was in my early twenties when I was working with him, mm -hmm. and I sang with him. In his in his uh, trio, and I'd go over to his house, and and he would play me Marvin Gaye records, and he would, you know, he was a theory geek too, and we would talk about the the the, the changes and how what why this was like this, and and why that was like that, and why this led to this, and 
And once I was singing, and he said, Rose, are you thinking about singing? And I went, well, yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, what lick I can do and where this note's going to go and where, and what, and he says, if I ever catch you thinking about singing again, I'm going to whoop your ass. He says, you know how to sing. You don't need to think about it, and it's not going to serve you well. You, you sit in your heart, and the rest will come. Wow, that's powerful. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll never forget where I, that's one of those things where you just never forget where you were. Mm -hmm. so, you were trying too hard. Yeah, and I think that's a mistake that a lot of, a lot of musicians make. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, uh, you can tell, you can tell when people are, are leading with their heart or leading with their head. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody has the capacity to lead, lead with their heart, but maybe nobody's ever told them. Sure. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I have had, I've been blessed with great teachers in my lifetime. And, but the, you know, the key, Pam, mm -hmm. is you recognized it. Because I think so often we, we might be given great advice. There may be great teachers, but you have to be receptive. You have to recognize it at the time. And you did. Mm -hmm. And you were grateful. So that doesn't always happen either. I mean, t the, what is it when the student is ready, the teacher appears? And That's sometimes true. the student is not always ready. That's true. I think with musicians that, that, that play in ensembles or work with other people, I think they're more receptive because, I mean, if we think about it, you know, if you're a solo performer, you don't, ha you don't really have to listen. But if, if you work in a duo, if you work in a band, you have to listen. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a very uh, interdependent, uh, it's a collaboration. You, yeah, you, if sure. you don't listen, you're going to suck. Right, that's right. just how that's going to go. So I think musicians may, musicians who work together with other musicians are more inclined to be able to hear. Now, that doesn't mean that I can do that all the time. Sure, sure. But... And you have to kind of sublimate your own ego a little bit in order to do that, which is yeah. not always easy. Yeah, but, but, you know, when you get into the musical thing, the ego, the ego has to take a second seat. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, you know, we all, all performers have to have an ego, otherwise we couldn't mm -hmm. get up on stage in front of 50,000 people and bear our soul. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's... There's, you know, I'm grateful for my ego for that. Other times, not so much. Sure. <laughs> sure. You were given great advice musically, which you shared. Any personal advice that you either were given, that you've embodied, or that you'd like to offer to our listeners? And that can be musical advice to someone coming up, uh, just human advice. How do we make it in the world? I mean, I don't know. What have you learned over the years? Well, I... I've learned so much, just as a as a human being. Um, I I I consider myself a work in progress. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we're all pieces of work, and um, I may not have as much advice on the personal level, though, as the as the 
as the musical level. Um, I just, I've had so many things that just stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, I heard Johnny Cash say one time, uh, you need to sing a song like it's the last chance you ever have to sing it. Wow, that's great. And I have carried that with me every performance, every, you know, even when, even when the audience has been, you know, there's been a few times where in big arenas opening for Sting, we, it, they were unruly at first, mm -hmm. but then I just, I just get, get into that mindset and go, you know what, this may be the last chance I have to sing this song. Mm -hmm. And I think people feel that. Mm -hmm. I think they do. And then by the end of the set, you know, they're all with their lighters and, yeah, yeah. and, and swaying and waving and, and, and doing that. So, um, that's that was that was incredible. Yeah, yeah, incredible for me to hear. How, what a when someone talks about Pam Rose, what do you want them to know about you, and what how do you want to be remembered? Well, I hope I would be remembered as a kind person. First of all, that's really important to me, mm -hmm. and I don't I don't make that bar every day <laughs> but but I just I want to be kind to people mm -hmm. and I appreciate when people are kind to me mm -hmm. and I think that that makes things better for all of us absolutely and that's precious and in that vein I want to be remembered more for love than for fear mm. um you know, we always have a choice, don't we? We do. And Course in Miracles says there's only two kinds of thoughts, those of love and those of fear. And boy, that just twisted my mind all around. Mm -hmm. I went, no, that can't be true. That can't be true. It can't be true. But it is true. It is true. Well, you know, I think Cher was credited as saying this, and it may not be attributed to her, but, but I remember a quote, and it was, people mistake kindness for weakness. Mm. And I don't agree at all. And I don't either. And you can be, you can be strong, and kind. And also, I mean, I think compassion is so important. And to remember that, and to, and just to realize that, put try to put yourself in someone else's shoes, and and maybe they are angry or fearful or nasty or whatever. What did they just go through? What's their What's their background? How has right. their day been? You know? Right, right. And, you know, the pandemic is a perfect example of that. I mean, we've all been in survival mode. Mm -hmm. We've had to worry that when we walk out of our house, we might get a disease that kills us or disables us for the rest of their lives. Or, or someone we love. Lives. Or someone we love. You know, being a singer, you know, singers are the worst. We're all germaphobes. But, but you know, I mean, I could... But it also impacted all of us financially. It sure did. And that's frightful, too. Oh, it's, it's, it's just... It's horrifying for, for everybody. And when you're in survival mode, you're, you're either in survival mode or creation mode. It, the two rarely coexist. Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, there might be incidences, but I don't know of them. But we've all been in survival mode, which is fear. 
So I cannot exclude myself from that category. Sure, sure. And I have needed to listen to this record time and time again just to remind me mm-hmm. that, you know, just to, just to kind of get me off of that, mm-hmm. to get me off of the, the, um, the, oh my God, I haven't <clears throat> played in front of people for a year and a half, I, I haven't worked. Mm-hmm. You know, we all, we're all going through that. And, and but it's a chance to also become better versions of ourselves. Yes. You know, I think in many ways, uh, I think that the pandemic was very uh, sobering, mm-hmm. a very reflective time. I mean, I liked not seeing planes in the air. I liked looking at oh. the water getting cleaner and the air getting cleaner and listening to the birds and paying more attention to nature. I thought that was really important. And I, really? I enjoyed my solitude, too. And it was uh-huh. a creative period for me. Yeah. And thank God our, our business did okay. We had people stick with us. And, and so it was really very much a blessing. And I think our, my staff got closer. Um, I can My imagine. mother and I got closer. Yeah. You know? So all of that is important. Yeah. You know, I got to spend more time with critters. and. Yeah, you got to love that. You yeah. Know? So. But back to your... Back to your question about how I might want to be remembered. There's, I'm, I'm just kind of processing this out loud, but when I go and play, <clears throat> uh, I, I always make a point to go meet people after the show. Mm-hmm. And, and I have people coming up to me that, that, that are really emotional and and I see that I've struck a chord, mm-hmm. and that means so much to me. That that is precious. That is sacred to me mm-hmm. because it connects my heart to that person's heart. So, more of that, please. Uh, I was asked one time. I was taking uh, I was studying metaphysics, and and one of the questions was, "Why are we here?" Right, and I pondered that. Greater minds than I have pondered that. <laughs> but but what I came up with is, I think we're here to recognize our own divinity mm-hmm. and to express it. Yeah, and it's just That's as simple really as that. Good. That's really really good. I love that. So you know, I mean, and and, and whatever helps us do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, every day I could I could stand to be more connected to the divine every mm-hmm. day I mm-hmm. could use that and this music helps me do that mm-hmm. and other people help me do that and there's a line in Holy Child that says here in each other we can see the light divine mm-hmm. and that's that's what it's all about mm-hmm. I, I, I really believe that and, and despite this being a crazy time I think we'll be okay I do. I think we have great capability. Uh, Winston Churchill was quoted as saying about America, when Americans having, when the U.S. or Americans have exhausted all possibilities, they will do the right thing. Which, <laughs> words to that effect. I'm paraphrasing. And it's I true. think that's true. And and uh, anyway, yeah. Sacred song, Pam Rose. Get the album. You will not be sorry. It is engaging. It is 
makes your heart feel good. It's one, it would be a wonderful gift uh, for a birthday, but also, I mean, I, I was listening to it, I'm like, God, this should be played at weddings, you know, <laughs> so oh. I kept... I kept oh, thinking this you. would be beautiful at weddings or renewals or funerals and just mm-hmm. it's just beautiful to put in your car you know I mean I I had my uh, I'm not an AC person and so I, I usually have my windows open and yeah. and uh, and I had was cranking Ave Maria <laughs> going down the going down the road the other day <laughs> so anyway oh well thank you thank you so much that means a lot Pam Rose thank you for being here on applaudable perspectives. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Deeper passion